This is Creativity in Music and Music Education, a conversation about music, learning, and the creative process with Richard Maxwell, a musician, producer, top 10 finalist, and three-time Grammy Foundation Music Educator of the Year nominee, creator of the nationally recognized Creative Musical Arts and Sciences program at Arcadia High School. The Creativity in Music and Music Education podcast starts now. Hey everybody, Richard Maxwell here for another edition of the Creativity in Music and Music Education podcast. Thank you so much for listening and for joining us and for continuing to send me feedback and topic ideas and all the things that are going on. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's uh, as I've been saying, it's really uh, pretty wonderful, all of the uh, really great response we've been getting. Um, you can always find me at richardmaxwell.net. And you can always find my students and find out what they're up to at ArcadiaCMass.com. I did want to just mention really quick, coming up this weekend on September 24th, this Saturday, I've actually uh, been asked to speak. I'm I'm both nervous about this and incredibly honored. The Arizona English Teachers Association has asked me to uh, talk uh, to their conference um, at ASU's West Campus on Saturday here. Um, about creativity in the classroom, and I am really, really thrilled to be doing that. Um, I won't lie, like I said, I'm a bit nervous about it, uh, but I'm also pretty excited, too, uh, although the notion of me in a room full of English teachers is just a bit terrifying, but we can take some students with us. We're going to do a little bit of a show. We're going to talk about a small concert. We're going to talk about, um, you know, what we do, how how we facilitate what we do in CMAS, how that relates, believe it or not, to English uh, classrooms and creative writing and all those different things. And there's actually, as I've been sort of putting this all together, there's there's a lot um, of similarity. So I may do an episode here uh, very soon um, kind of addressing that because I think it might be kind of interesting to see sort of, uh, you know, where those parallels tie in. I know a lot of times for music teachers, regardless of the particulars of the music job that you have, there's always this issue of cross-curriculum and how do you do that and what does that mean and everything else. And I actually think we've, we've found some pretty good um, connection points. So uh, I'll be sharing those uh, on Saturday at uh, ASUS. I'm very, very thrilled uh, to, be, uh, to have been asked to be part of this. Um, this conference. And then I'll, uh, I'll report back to you maybe a little bit next week on, uh, on how it went. This week, I am uh, very excited to uh, share this episode with you. Uh, so I'm actually going to try to keep my introduction here kind of shorter than usual, if you can believe that. Ha ha ha. Uh, I freely admit I, I seem to be in love with the sound of my own voice sometimes. Sorry about that. But anyway, we're going to get the, to the meat of this one as quickly as we can. This week um, is with Mr. Nathan Slater, who is the principal of Arcadia High School, where I am able to facilitate this creative musical arts and sciences program that I developed a few years ago. Um, I thought it would be really good to get, and I actually had requests for this, to get some of the administrative take on what we do. You know, not even just about my program specifically, but, you know, the concerns administrators have. How do you propose changing up uh, a program or adding a program as we did in my case. And what does that really mean? And what are the factors involved in getting that yes? Or, you know, here's some support to make it happen and things like that. Um, I'll tell you flat out, uh, you know, Mr. Slater is truly about the biggest fan of what we do in CMAS there is. Um, he's a guy who 
you know, self-admittedly comes from very much a sports background, still very sports-oriented, and yet is just a huge supporter of what we're doing. And he talks about that in this, in this uh, interview and why that is and, and how he balances all of those things. And, and to be honest with you, and, and I am, I suppose, maybe sucking up a little bit to my boss here, but I use him frequently as a barometer because of his athletic, excuse me, because of his athletic background, because of his, you know, being oriented sometimes or perceived to be oriented on that so much, which actually, as you will hear, and as I would certainly attest to, really is not the case. I don't think he, you know, from my standpoint, it's not a matter of favoring sports at all. He really is looking out for students first and and, you know, he views our program as being, you know, important to the students' high school experience. And that seems to be the driving force behind it. And I will tell you that a lot of times when folks come and see what I do or they meet me at a conference I might be speaking at or things of that nature, um, one of the very first things we talk about is how do you get this to happen? And I always tell people Honestly, it really does come down to your administrative buy-in. If they feel that what you're doing is going to benefit their school, it makes all the difference in the world. Um, Mr. Slater has been nothing uh, but supportive, and it does make a difference. I am spoiled. I will tell you flat out that I am able to do things and run the program more effectively simply because he feels the program should happen and therefore gives me the autonomy I need in order to make things happen. Obviously, I, I have to account for all of that, and there's a there's definitely a two-way street there. It's not like he just says, go do whatever you want, and I don't care. Um, but I do think that if you are looking as an educator to start something like what we're doing with CMAS, and if you're wanting to really you know, advance uh, things at your school in that way, a lot of it is going to come down to that relationship you have with your administration because... For better or worse, these types of programs are rare, which means they're a risk, which means that you have to be willing to demonstrate that the risk is worth taking. It's as simple as that. Um, and so we've been, we've been very lucky at it. Um, anyway, so I want to get to it here. You're going to hear a lot of different stuff. Um, very uh, student-centered administrator, very um, kind um, Obviously, I'm very biased. The man is a fan of what we do. Um, he's extraordinarily supportive of me and my goals um, and continually goes to bat when necessary um, if we need help with anything. You know, like I said, I'm just very, very lucky. I'm very grateful to him for, for, uh, for uh, this interview, and uh, I hope you will find it helpful. Um, and so without any further ado, here's my boss, Nathan Slater. All right, so I am here with Mr. Nathan Slater, who is the principal at Arcadia High School, where we're lucky enough to have the CMAS program. Thanks for coming in and talking to me today. Thank you, Mr. Maxwell. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Um, so I ask the same question of everybody who comes in and is kind mm -hmm. enough to do one of these. I'm just curious, on your, as you and I joke, sometimes copious free time that I know you have as a principal, <laughs> but are you, what, are you, what do you listen to for fun? Like, what's, what's on the radio or what's on that playlist that you're like, I just want to relax and listen to something? Well, normally what I'll do is I spend a lot of time with my kids, so I listen to uh, 96.9, okay. which is, uh, you know, contemporary, kind of light rock. Uh, and then when my daughter's not in the car, my son and I have, which I've always been a big Metallica fan, 
Really? Huge Metallica fan. Okay. So uh, he uh, he is taking a liking to Metallica as well. So Very cool. Have uh, you heard the new album? Or I have not heard the new one. I'll have to get you. Sorry, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see them back. Yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. very, it's very cool. Um, so I, I guess, because um, we don't have a lot of time today, but um, one of the common questions I'm always getting from people after things like, you know, the training involved and, and even the money part, although I think this, that plays into what I'm going to ask you, but obviously CMAS is a little outside the norm for good, bad, or otherwise, but it's right. definitely not your normal kind of music class at a school. Correct. And so people are always wondering, how do you get administration on board? And I was wondering if you might be willing to talk a little bit about your sense of it as you know, as the principal, right, right. Well, I can I can talk about it in many different levels. Is luckily for me, I think first of all, when I got here two plus years ago, the major financial component of creating a program like this was already completed. Okay. So you guys did a great job. You have a tremendous facility. You've got tons of gear. You have all of the things that you need to make and operate the program. So I would think as a new program coming in is to have that financial backing to create the program would be the biggest variable for any new program. Okay. Now, luckily for me, I didn't have that variable. I didn't sure. have that domino to knock down. So by the time I got here, you were up and running and, and no pun intended, you're already rocking and rolling. Sure. Okay. So then what I look for is, is kids. And there's no doubt that kids drive programs. We're going to create classes that kids want to take. And there's no doubt you've got 210 kids in six classes, 180 in CMath, that the kids want to take the class. And ultimately, if kids are happy, then schools are happy. And the kids want to be in CMath. They want to. And they need outlets to either play a sport or to be in uh, an extracurricular activity or a club, whatever. But these kids want to play music, and right. there's no doubt about that. So to be able to offer it is awesome right? because right. not only is it awesome that we have it, but the uniqueness of it sure. is one where we have some kids that football's not for them, basketball's not for them, student government's not for them. They may not want to be in physics to honors. They want to play music, and they want right. to play rock and roll. So the opportunity for kids is unique, which is why ultimately I would think that for me, if I was going to put it into simple terms, I support it because kids support it, and kids are why we're all here. Okay, no, that, that makes sense. Well, let me ask you this, because this year we added um, back in a component that we hadn't had for a while, and I know you know, this, this history class, this history of rock, history and, roll rock and roll. History of rock and roll, yeah. Which is a blast, and I'm so glad that we have it back. Mm -hmm. But I can even remember you came to me – gosh, like six or eight months ago, and it was kind of on the DL, and you're like, I'm not sure, we're still trying to figure it out. And I, I mean, without sort of giving away the, the, the secrets of, of mm -hmm. all of that, but like, and, and not even so much a, you know, it has to be this or it has to be that, but but how does that work? You know, even on something like that, we're, we're lucky, we're pretty well mm -hmm. established, as you said, and I'm grateful for that. But this was kicking in a different opportunity. Right. When we early originally talked about this, you know, a couple years ago, I think even at the first time, you know, what are you looking for, you know, on the administrative take as far as, okay, well, we have this thing and now we want to add this other thing. You know, what are the factors? Is it, is it still the same thing as far yeah. as? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the creation of History of Rock and Roll is one of the many, many dominoes of staffing a school, which is a very complex puzzle. And if you want to have math and English and science and, and 
classes of that nature running at high numbers, then you staff classes at low numbers. So history of rock and roll was close to not being staffed because the numbers didn't warn it. In other words, going back to what students choose to do. So at our school, uh, class size is a very, very hot topic within the community. And we have to be responsive to make sure that we're respectful to right. managing the school in a respectful way to sure. all teachers and all students and all families that they're in manageable number classes. So the long and the short of it is history of rock and roll was close to not making. Okay. At the, when the summertime came and we had more kids register, we had more kids that saw the class, signed up for it. Right. And, and kid, student. Uh, registrations drove the class to making. Sure. I, you know, and I'm curious, and some of this is, I mean, maybe it's because I'm always sensitive to this. I've always wondered, you know, Arcadia to me seems very unique in a lot of ways. Not, I mean, you know, take CMAS away, and it's still very unique. The number of elective opportunities on this campus, when I talk to other schools or other teachers, it seems like the number of opportunities for kids to choose from is almost, you know, sometimes absurdly higher than in a lot of other schools. I mean, mm. there are so many different things that kids can go with. And so I'm wondering, you know, not that, I mean, obviously we're a music program and the choir numbers having, you know, that program went through so many changes over so many years. And, and that's a common thing in, in all music programs, obviously. Right. But I'm wondering, you know, in a case like choir or, you know, we used to have, um, there was a, a, a business program at one point. I think it was for a couple of years before you even got here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm I'm wondering is it is it more of a bigger picture thing where things kind of they'll either ebb and flow or they'll they'll um you know they go in kind of in, like in waves. Is it is it somewhat symptomatic of a school that you know that's sort of like forgetting CMAS just that offering so many different things that's the trade off is that some of those things then therefore can't always be present in the same way maybe we want them to be is yeah. that. Well, it all goes back to student requests. Right. Students request marketing. Students request choir. Student, you know, we'll be responsive to the requests. Right, right. Uh, which is another testament to how successful CMAS is, is because students want to be in CMAS, which, right. which you only have so many elective opportunities that if you choose to be in CMAS, then you are not going to choose something else. Right, 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 uh, right. And then that's how, how it happens. Now, we, I think, also are a little bit blessed in the sense that I came from schools much smaller than Arcadia, that the extracurricular opportunities or the elective right. opportunities were smaller just because the number of student requests are smaller. Okay. Hence. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, right. okay, because at a certain point, like you said, it is just going to boil down to, yeah. to sheer numbers. Right. And, it's and a huge matrix of mathematics. Right, right, you know, right. It's, it's, does that, I mean, I, I think I know the answer to that. Does that there to this? Does that frustrate you as an administrator at times? Like that you're looking at like the bigger picture, going, you know, man, we've got this great school and this this whatever, you know, pick the element. I wish we could pull this in, and I just can't figure out a way to massage it, or or you know, I mean, I, I guess I'm wondering because a lot of times people think administrators are just sort of sitting up in this kind of like distant office somewhere mm -hmm. looking down on the rest of the campus and i know from experience you're not like that at all but i'm wondering you know how does your sense of administrator versus like your time when you were a teacher because obviously you didn't just walk into an administrative job you have no. a lot of experience no in i the classroom. think i think to answer your question is as long as you're doing what's best for kids then i don't get frustrated okay you know is 
we're, we're going to be responsive to what students want. Right, right. And we're, you know, like I've said many times, I, our, one of the core values of the district is student-centered. I would like to think of myself as a student-centered administrator, that we're going to look to what's in the best interest of kids first. Uh, and then everything else will take care of itself. Okay. Uh, so I don't get frustrated. You know, I mean, would I like to have every last opportunity? Of course I would. Right, uh, right. But at the end of the day, um, the community and the teachers and the students sure. have, have, have made very clear what their desires are, and that is manageable class sizes so that, uh, so that everybody has – uh, a level type playing field. Whereas when I got here, it wasn't exactly that way. Sure. Sure. I, well, I remember that. I mean, yeah, I'll attest to that certainly. So I guess that's the other part of it too, is it seems like you're also, and, and granted my bias aside, obviously we have a pretty good working relationship over the last couple of years, which I very much appreciate um, because that makes all the Me difference too. in the world. But I've also noticed you're, you're, you're very open to when we do make changes. So like as, as the choir numbers, you know, were starting to diminish and, because there's a lot of singing in CMAS, granted in a different um, characteristics of, of it because mm -hmm. the kids are creating rather than just interpreting music, but there's a choir element. But we've added other like vocal elements as well. And I've noticed, which is sort of not, not I don't want to say like overwhelmingly surprising, but kind of a neat thing. Like you've taken this approach with me kind of like, okay, if you're going to change the structure, the scope of something, that's fine. Just let me know what it is. So if somebody asks me, I'm not going, what are you talking about? Right. But I've noticed this kind of like, like what's your, I guess, because a lot of, a lot of elective teachers worry about how far hands-on administrative, even well-intentioned administration is going to be versus the sort of, you know, okay, it's your program, do what needs to be done kind of thing. How do you, I mean, I know obviously you're only one person and, and clearly I, like your style of handling this, but I'm wondering, you know, how do you make those decisions? Not so much on good teacher, bad teacher stuff. I don't mean that kind of thing. I just mean as far as when you're looking at a program and going its role in the school or what needs to be uh, evidence or things of that nature. Because right. you've given us, an, an I, I feel like the school, we all the teachers have an enormous amount of autonomy here. But I also would think that's kind of a, it's got to be a calculated risk to some extent on your part, I would think. Well, I guess that's a multi-tiered question there is, first of all, I consider the teaching profession a profession. People have multiple degrees and they know what they're doing. And when we hire you, we give you a certain uh, a bit of latitude to have your profession be an art form, so to speak. Right. In your case, especially because of the content that you teach. Uh, but at the end of the day, we recognize what best practices are for kids. So whether it's, you know, calculus or CMAS or choir, we can see good instruction versus not good instruction. And so ultimately that's when, you know, we'll come in to try to tinker with uh, improvement sure. when need be. And at the end of the day, treat people like professionals, just like we ask to be treated as well. And the kids. And it all goes back to our respect commitment is, you know, if everybody's respectful, things tend to take care of themselves. Right. Uh, right. But at the end of the day, we have to intervene so uh, is, I mean, is that, I guess I'm just wondering, because it, it seems like, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, you've been at Arcadia for so, and I've been here, I think, I've lost count. I think it's 17. It might be 18 years. That's how long mm -hmm. I've been here. I can't even remember anymore. But I feel like that's part of what motivates me to come back. But again, I find it interesting when I talk to other teachers, you know, at other schools sometimes, in other districts or in other states even, trying to figure out how to navigate. I'm wondering, did your approach come from, an inherent sense of it 
when you stepped into the administrative role? Was it because you spent all those years as a, you know, as a math teacher, you were an athletic director? It's funny because I always tell people like, you're probably our biggest, strongest fan of what we do here. But you're, and you know, I've talked about it. You're not Mr. Music. I mean, mm-hmm. you're, you're, admittedly, you've always said that, and I find it funny in a way that here's a guy who's, you know, say will say that, and yet I've seen you be. I mean, way beyond the scope of normal support for us, just in terms of your enthusiasm for what the kids are doing, everything else. It's kind of, it's amazing and it's wonderful, but it's also not common, I think, for a lot of arts teachers to feel that. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering where that. Yeah. Well, where, I, what's the motivation there? I guess is. I don't. I don't know. I think that because uh, this is my 23rd year, and I was a coach and a math teacher and an athletic director. And in those roles, you really have to be not a cheerleader, but ultimately you, I'm, I'm emotionally invested in your program Okay. because your kids are. And so, and it's the same with the football team and go pick another, you know, robotics, you know, right, right, right. so, you know, I want kids to have respectful, fun, positive opportunities cross curricularly in every venue okay. that we offer here. Um, so I think that just my background in education lends me to wanting to get to know kids and what drives them to make them want to come to school. Right. Because selfishly is if kids want to come here and they're doing what they want to do, they're going to perform better. You know, so, the, you know, I wouldn't say that it's a selfish act as much as I, kids will perform better in math if they're having fun in CMAS. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And then that relates to how the school is viewed Correct. and then the resources for the school and on and on and on and on right. at all. Ties together, so it really does come back to by focusing entirely on the kids, everything else kind of takes care of solves itself. itself. Correct. Cool. Well, let me ask you one more hypothetical, and I know we kind of touched on this, but just to close out because I know that we're gonna have to go here in a second. Hypothetically, you're at a brand new school, one that's just opened, Mm -hmm. and you know you're gonna have a band, you know you're gonna have a choir, you're gonna have an orchestra, because those tend to be the sort of norms for schools, and a teacher. Let's say one of our interns from ASU, for example, who's just graduated, gets one of those spots and comes to you at the end of year one and says, I have an idea, and proposes to you something CMAS-like. Right. And let's assume for a minute that you don't even you – know, you're not you specifically. You have no, you know, no experience with, with this program. Like, oh, yeah, when I was teaching or, you know, or I was administrator at Katie. I mean, just your you know, average – administrator at average school with average teacher not average in a bad way i just mean anybody what how does like what would be your suggestion to them right well in the it's not already funded it isn't already established right how do they approach it well like i said kind of at the beginning is selfishly for me when i got here cmas was already set uh financially and so anytime something that's going to be created i always ask two things who's going to pay for it and who's going to do the work is the number one variable is always money, sure. you know, and unfortunately it's not kosher to say, or, you know, well, but facts are facts. Right. Right. Um, and so that's the first thing. But then at the end of the day, I'd also say is once you have that variable figured out, if you can, then it's worth it from the sense that we're going to have kids drawn into the program that want to do something unique and specific to their skill sets and what they want to do. Now that may also have, a reaction to other programs. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the success here is pretty 
evident in our numbers. Right. And right. success in programs is always linked to its numbers. I've said. Sure. Uh, so I would say that the that's first, a reality of education in the world right, we live in. I right. think. And when we and when we. The very first day I was here, I told you guys, give me your number one concern. I think you guys put up, you know, bat, not, not battling, but, you know, jockeying for students. And it's right. just inevitable. It's because people, you have to take math. You have to take English. Right. You have to take science. You only have so many electives. It's just the nature of having right. six On the other hand, it's interesting because I talked to my, um, you know, my sort of partners in crime, as it were, with like our, our, uh, our ANN, our TV, our Mediacom and theater and whatnot. And we're always talking about the fact that, you know, if you look at our three programs, there's an enormous amount of overlap, and we try to approach it more as a, okay, so now I really have to bring my A game. I, you know, it's, you know, I have to make sure that if they're doing something that's building up their program, what can we do here to, and not so much even competitively. It, it's it's interesting. I think depending on the relationships of the teachers, it actually brings everybody up. Yeah. You know, and years ago, you know, long before your time, when I was running the bands and orchestras, and my wife was actually doing the choir and the guitar class, and we were kind of running it all together, but we sort of, we always tried to look at it sort of like more homogenous, more of a, an issue of, okay, what can all of us be doing to improve, as opposed to just sort of sitting back yeah. and, and, and going, well, you know, we're, we're okay, so we'll just stay being okay. Right. Well, that's the definition of collective capacity in our commitment. You just defined it. We're okay. All, we're well, a lot stronger together yeah. than we are apart, which is why we did that guitar Right. song where five people <laughs> playing the guitar not right, right. tugging on it because right. we're not going to be any stronger by pulling on the guitar we need to play the guitar right, right. together for it to work so you just define collective capacity wow i've never done that before <laughs> good okay. job i'm going to play that back later and memorize it all right so there you go my boss nathan slater principal of arcadia high school talking about his administrative take on education and music education and cmas and, and all that um there's a lot more actually I want to cover with him in the future, so I'm going to see about having him back at some point. But I really do appreciate his time, and I appreciate his perspective, and I appreciate all his, his support, as I mentioned in the intro. It really does make a difference. And I'm, I'm hoping um, getting a sense for his take on the administrative side of things will, will help those of you listening to maybe see some of those perspectives as well. So anyway, uh, again, thank you to Nathan Slater, principal of Arcadia, uh, for, for coming in this week and for uh, sharing his expertise uh, with us and, and, and doing the interview. Um, as always, you can find me at richardmaxwell.net. You can find out more about my students and what they're up to at arcadiacmas.com. And I hope everybody has a great week, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.